But we're going to dig into this, uh, and, and today we kick off a short three-week series that, that partners um, perfectly with our Faith in Action um, mission trip here in the community, and, and, and we're talking about neighbors. And we're talking about neighbors, and how do we love, and what does love look like? We're talking about that because ultimately, here's what it comes down to. Jesus has told us that one of our number one priorities, one of our biggest mandates as followers of Christ is that we love well. That's the one. Pharisees come and they ask Jesus. They say to Jesus, hey, what's the most important commandment? They ask him that because they're trying to trick him, right? They're trying to, to, to get him to say something that will get him in trouble. Uh, there are so many laws in the Old Testament. If we read through the books of law, uh, and then the Pharisees have added hundreds and hundreds of laws to those. Um, it's kind of like guardrails and bumpers so that people don't accidentally sin. And so there's all of these laws on the table, and they come to Jesus and trying to get him to say something, to get him in trouble, to, to prove that he's not really a prophet, to prove that he's not really from God. They say to him, okay, Jesus, what's the most important law? Right? And they're probably thinking that if he answers one, that that's their proof. Because no matter what he says, then he's discounting something else. Right? They think they've got him trapped. But Jesus, basically, because, well, he's God himself and he's empowered with the Holy Spirit, he just dispels all of that with just this quick answer. And he says, listen, here, here you want to know the most important commandment? Here's what it is. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. Because I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's your purity. I don't care if it's your resources. I don't care if it's your relationships. I don't care what it is. But if you honor God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and we can add the Deuteronomy 6, with all of your strength, then you are following the first and greatest commandment. And then he says, oh, and hey, get this, the second the second is equally important. Because as you love God with everything, then this will naturally flow from that. And I want you to understand that. You cannot say, I am a lover of God. God has everything that I am. I give him my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. Everything I have is for God. But I don't really like the people he created. And so Jesus says, no, 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 listen, listen. The, the second is equally important because it will flow naturally from the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Guys, listen to me. This is foundational Christianity. Now, what does it mean to follow God? Listen, some of you have asked me this question, and people will continue to ask me this question. How do I know if I'm a Christian? How do I know if I'm pretending? And how do I know if I'm really a Christian? Especially those of us that have been brought up in a church, right? We've gone through the rituals. We, we've been baptized. We... Um, we said a sinner's prayer once, or if you're like me, you said a sinner's prayer 50 times to make sure it took, right? And we used to have altar calls at, uh, 
Uh, it, was, it was called the First Baptist Church of Kelowna, which is weird because it was actually the second Baptist church in Kelowna. But the other one didn't call themselves First Baptist, so we snuck in and took it, right? Um, First Baptist Church in Kelowna. That pastor, like, it was every Sunday, turn or burn. That was the flavor of his sermons, right? I mean, that guy hit the pulpit so hard, he would go through at least two or three of those a year, right? I mean, that was just his thing. And so, listen, you did not sit through a sermon without needing Jesus. You knew it. Like, I am, I am going to hell And I know I repented and was saved last week, but oh my goodness, he just made me feel like, what if it didn't take? I better do it again. Some of you have been baptized. Some of you have done your first communion. Some of you did your confirmation where you you agreed to things. You repeated some things. Some of you have come up front during an altar call, right? Some of you have done none of those things, but you've listened to me or Pastor David for for a year or two now, and you're like, okay, how do I know? I mean, I hope you know. I mean, we've said it a lot, but how do you know if this is in you? How do you know if you are, in fact, a follower of God? Here you go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And the second command of God is equally important. Love others as yourself. It's not complicated. One of the things that we're going to see as we go through this short three-week series is that none of this is complicated to figure out. Hard to pull off? Yeah, sometimes. Difficult to do? Sure. Hard to understand? Not even a little bit. Okay? So we need to talk about what does it look like to really love our neighbors. How do we love our neighbors? And we're going to deal with this in two ways today. One of them will be a little shorter. One of them will be a little longer, but I promise I'll get you out on time either way. The first thing is this. We talk about how do we love our neighbors? Is, is the question is, what does it look like? To know what it looks like, you don't have to look much further than 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every Circumstance. Now, I read that, and some of you are like, wait a minute, what is he talking about? That's the wedding passage. We're supposed to be at a wedding if that gets read. Now, that has nothing to do with weddings. Listen, I want that in my marriage. I want to love my spouse like that. I want my spouse to love me like that. But ultimately, that command is about the one another. That command, as it is written, has nothing to do with romantic love. And it has everything to do with loving one another. And so you want to know, I mean, the short answer for, well, okay, Matt, how do I love my neighbor? Listen to me. And, and, and just, just what it is. Look, stop being impatient with your neighbor. How do I love people in the community? Stop being impatient with people that annoy you in the community. Listen, I know you got them. I know you got them. I know there are people that annoy you. Stop being impatient. Stop being unkind. Be kind right? Don't be jealous or boastful. Don't be proud or rude. 
What does it look like? Man, how do I love my neighbor well? Well, here, here it is. It's not complicated. Right? Be patient and kind and not proud and, and not jealous and not irritable. Don't always have to have your own way. This is, this is one of those things where we say, guys, look, this isn't complicated, but here's the rub. Here's the rub. This is the part that we miss. It's just the three verses before this. And then the three verses before this, it says, look, you could do everything else right. But if you don't love, then it's worthless. But Matt, I show up at church three times a week, right? I go to my small group. Um, I go to prayer meeting on Mondays. I come to church on Sunday. I never miss. But you don't love people? It's worthless. But you're mad. I know all of the good doctrine. I can tell you every doctrinal stance that the church takes. I can pour out my heart on all of this theology. I give generously above and beyond to the church. I do all of this. But the three verses right before that tells us, look, but if you don't love well, then it's worthless. See, that's the part that burns us, right? We, because we look at this sometimes with loving our neighbor, and we look at it like it's optional. I will love my neighbor if they're lovable enough. Listen to me. If they were lovable enough, you wouldn't be commanded to do it. You wouldn't be told to do it if they were lovable enough. You'd do it because they were lovable. But when Jesus says, man, you love your neighbor like you love yourself, you... Listen, put them in your head right now. If it's me, just blur my face out in your mind. Who's your neighbor? I know you got one. Who is it? Who is that neighbor for you that you just, you can't do it? It takes everything within you not to turn around and walk the other way when you see them coming. That's the person Jesus has in mind for you when he says, here's the deal. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is it. This is how it works. Okay, so ultimately, ultimately, think about it like this. You could go on a job interview. You could be well qualified for the job. You could have the best professional answers to the job. You could know everything there is to know. You could answer every question perfectly. You could articulate yourself beyond any other candidate. But if you didn't wear clothes to the interview, none of it would matter. No matter how qualified or well-prepared you are for that job, if you show up naked to the interview, nothing. You get nothing. That's the way Jesus frames this. That's the way the Holy Spirit of God prompts Paul to write this. He says, listen, without love, you are just a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. It is worthless. So listen to me. How? How do I love? It's not complicated, but it's difficult to pull off is you, you just choose. Amen. You choose. You choose to make it not about you in the moment. But Matt, I'm tired. I know, but it's not about you. But Matt, I got to catch up on my, my past seasons of 24. I've been watching 24 a little bit. It's on Amazon Prime. And so I've been trying to catch up. But Matt, I've, I've got to watch a rerun to 24 that you've seen four times already. I know, but Matt, it's not about you, right? But, but, but Matt, 
I, I worked really hard today and I just want to come home and relax. And yes, I know my elderly neighbor um, needs her, her lawn mowed, but I don't really feel like it. But you know what, Matt? It's not really about you, right? And I, I know that the family next door um, is struggling with a single mom who's trying to figure it all out and her kids need a little bit of, of mail time. But you know what, man? At the end of the day, I am tired. I don't have it in me. But you know what, Matt? It's not about you. See, this is not complicated stuff. But the reality is, it's not really about you. But Matt, I don't really want to do faith in action. Because, like, I don't want to burn my vacation doing scraping and painting of a house, or walking around the city, or driving around a golf cart in the city, praying for people I've never met. I, I don't want to do yard work. I, I don't want to, to, to do those things. I, yeah, I know, I know, but here's the thing. It's not really about you. And so ultimately, how do we love? Well, we understand this thing, right? That that, that kind of love isn't patient. I'm sorry, it is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud or rude. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It holds no record of wrongs. It is about other people. And we just make the choice that says, you know what? I know that it's not about me. Get this. Love is foundational. This is not an option for the Christian. And you know what? Here's the deal. Our service has to be about more than just doing nice things for people too. We have great service organizations in this community. We have Lions Club. We have Kiwanis. We have Key Clubs. We have AmeriCorps. We have a lot of good service organizations. Uh, ClickStop has a, has a nice service organization to it. We have a lot of great service organizations in this community. But you know what? The difference between a Christian who loves their neighbor as they love themselves and a good service organization is simply this. What we do is dripping with the love of Christ. And that's why we do these things because when it's dripping with the, the, the love of Christ, good works create space for the good news. Good works create space for the good news. Right? It, it's why when we choose to spend our mission dollars, right, that our mission dollars typically go to organizations that are focused in the gospel. They will do the work, but the work is drenched with the gospel. Why? Because when our good work is drenched in the love of Christ, our good work creates space for the good news. We don't just do the work and then wipe our hands and walk away but everything has to come from a place of love. Everything has to come from a place where we're not just doing for our neighbor, but we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. See, because that's the other question. It's not just how, like Matt, how. How does that look when we love well? But the other question that some of you are asking, it's the burning question for some of you. And as soon as I suggested that you ought to be thinking hard about signing up for Faith in Action, taking a day of vacation or rearranging a schedule or doing whatever, what, as soon as I suggested that, some of you, you started to get indignant with me. You don't have to admit it. I know it. I, I get it. Some of you started to get indignant. Why? Why do I have to? Or where does that energy and effort come from? Why? How? Some of you are thinking, man, at the end of the day, I barely have enough energy to love my spouse well and to honor my kids and to be with my kids. How in the world do you expect me to go and add more and more to the list? 
Well, listen, here's the, here's the deal. This is the fundamental truth that you need to understand. Your willingness and your capacity to love others grows naturally out of your walk with God. It's a blessed hope community church core value. Core value number four. You're conduits of the gospel, not containers of it. Because here's the deal. If you are thinking, Matt, I don't have enough to pour out to people. How do I love my neighbor? I literally do not have enough in me to love my neighbor. Can I tell you something? You are absolutely correct. You do not have enough in you to love your neighbor. You don't. Because when you are just you, you have a finite amount of resources. You know what I used to love to do when we played Monopoly with the kids? They're too smart for this now, but you know what I used to love to do? Be the bank. You know why I like to be the bank? Because then I could make sure the game ended the way I wanted it to end. Because I had an infinite amount of resources. It didn't matter how much money I'd spent on property. It didn't matter if Aubrey had money or Travis had money. It's, this doesn't count. Um, it did, because it's like, yeah, you know what? You can buy that. Yeah, Matt, you can afford to put houses on that because we need this game to end, right? This game has been going on for three and a half hours. We need this game to end. Hey, guess what? My 20 bucks is going to buy hotels on everything. That's how it is, right? If we are containers of the gospel, we only have so much. If you are conduits of the gospel and it flows through you, you've got as much as you'll ever need. This is, this is the way that we understand this. This is how this works. So think about it. Think of it like a watering can. Some of you garden, some of you have flowers, some of you, that's very important to you. And so you go and, and if you fill up your watering can, right, you've got this much water then to spread evenly as, as much as you can. And even though this flower looks like maybe it needs a little more, you can only give it so much because you have to, you have to be um, stingy almost with what you have because sooner or later you're going to run out. And so you can pour a little bit here and you could pour a little bit here or you can decide that one doesn't need it. And so I'll pour a little bit more here and eventually you're going to run out. And so you have to pick and choose how you dispense it. But if you're plugged directly into the, to the spout and you've got a hose, man, that water just pours freely from you. You can just drench everything and you're never going to run dry. And, and this is the reality. You, you know, I know as a pastor, as a pastor, I know people that have done this on their own. And can I tell you what? When they do it on their own, when they do it on their own, it always dries up. And it can be frustrating for them. Sometimes they don't even know why. What happens is, is they come to know Christ or they, they come to understand something uh, and they, they have this burning desire to get plugged in and they have this burning desire to serve. And so they just jump in and they start serving like super Christian. They volunteer for everything. They try to show up at everything. They try to do everything and they just want to jump right in. And then you know what happens, right? Because they're doing it out of their own reserve. Eventually they get to the point where they've got nothing left and they burn out and they flame out. Um, and then you're lucky if you can get them to show up at church once every other week because they've just burned out. But then I've seen the other two. I've seen other people 
who are just constantly pouring out of themselves. They're constantly pouring more and more of themselves out. And you look at them and you're like, I got to be careful. We got to be careful what we ask them to do because they're going to get overwhelmed and they're going to burn out. But the reality is they never do. They never burn out. Why do they never burn out? Because they're not using their own resources. They're plugged into the glory of God. They're letting the gospel flow through them, and they're doing of God's resources, and so they've got more than enough. Everybody else has wilted and withered, and they've quit because they can't handle it, but these people just continue to pour more and more of themselves out. These are people that build relationships. These are people that will call me. You know why they call me? They call me to say, Matt, What can I be doing? What can I be doing? What more can I do? What more can I pour out? Where else can I be serving? Who can I be meeting with? These are people that that do that. And you're like, man, how do they have that in them? Well, they don't have it in them. But God keeps filling them as they pour themselves out. And so we are not containers of the gospel. We are conduits. And that's how we love well. It's pretty simple, right? That's how we love well. If you are trying to do these things on your own, then ultimately you will fall short and it will fail. If you are trying to do these things through the power of God, then ultimately you'll be successful. Okay, and there's a couple. We're going to skip ahead. This is where I wanted to be. And again, it comes down to this, like, okay, what does it look like? How do I do that? How do I tap into the gospel instead of using my own resources? How do I let the gospel flow through me? And listen to me, I want to tell you this. It's not complicated. Again, it's a choice. It's a choice that you make. Read Galatians. We're going to be uh, all the way from verse 16 to 21 in chapter 5. You can follow along in your Bible if you want, or they'll be on the screen. But so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I want to let that sink in for you. Those of you here that are Christ followers, if you are here and you claim to be a Christ follower, right? You are claiming that I love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I love others as I love myself. If you are here and you are saying, I am a Christian, then I want you to really really understand this text. So I'm going to read it again. So I say, this is Paul talking through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? This is God who is sharing this information. So I say, walk by the Spirit. The Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit of God. Walk by the Holy Spirit of God. And when you do, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, right? That makes sense, right? If I'm walking With God, I'm not gratifying fleshly desires. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And conversely, the Spirit desires what's contrary to the flesh. Okay, that's not rocket science either. Simply, that just means this. What your flesh wants you to do and what the Holy Spirit of God wants you to do are at war with one another. They are at war with one another because this world is broken and this world is evil. And the Holy Spirit of God wants you to be holy, right? Scripture tells us that you are to be holy because God is holy, 
right? And so your spirit and your flesh fight each other. Listen to me, Christian, if you are a follower of Christ and you did not know that there is a battle that wages in you, then you are woefully confused. This is as clear as it gets, right? When you walk by the Spirit, you don't gratify, you don't give into, you don't allow the things of the flesh. Because the flesh wants this, and the Spirit wants this, and they fight each other. So listen to this next part. They're in conflict with each other so that— Now listen, this is the part that hurts. Some of you, this, this is the part that's going to cause you to say, well, then forget it. Even if you don't say that out loud, this is what your heart and your spirit have done. Listen to me. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Christian, it is not okay for you to do whatever you feel like. If you are in Christ then it is clear that the Spirit will draw you one way. Your old fleshly self, the sinful part of you, will try to draw you the other way. They fight each other. And guess where your natural heart goes? It goes with the wrong way. Your natural desire will go with the flesh. That's why we have Christians, we have Christ followers that get so stuck in sin. Right? That gets stuck in lust. That gets stuck in pride. That gets stuck in arrogance. That gets stuck in idolatry. That gets stuck in adultery and stuck in pornography and stuck in all of these other things. They get stuck there because what happens is the spirit wants to pull them this way. Their flesh wants to pull them this way. They fight. And because it feels easier, they choose to go with the spirit. I'm, I said that backwards. They choose to go with their flesh. And so they engage in behavior and, and activity that's contrary to the Spirit of God. Christian, you cannot just do whatever you want because you're a Christian. And you cannot just rest easy because you're a Christian. See, some people think, and I've had this conversation with numerous people sitting in my office, talking on the phone, doing whatever, and, and, um, and, and they're like, yeah, you know what, though? I want to do it when I feel like it. Because then I want it to be genuine. Right? I, I want to follow the Spirit out of a, a heart that desires to please God. Not because I have to. So I'll just do my own thing. And then when I feel like it, when I feel it, well then I'll, I'll follow the Spirit. And if you want to wait until you feel like it, man, you are going to be waiting a really, really, really long time. Because what Paul tells us here through the power of the Holy Spirit is your flesh and the Spirit are in conflict. And, and, and when you let the Spirit win, guess what? You're not doing whatever you want. Some of you need to take a hard look in the mirror about what you're doing. Some of me needs to take a hard look in the mirror about what I'm doing. Because sometimes too often I let myself do what I want. Instead of saying, God, I honor you. And I'm following the Spirit. Amen. Nobody ever should have told you. Amen. I appreciate it. I, I, I'm glad you agree because we all should be, right? 
because nobody ever told us or should have ever told us that Christianity was easy. I fear we live in a culture and in a day and age of the church um, where too many churches, and I, I, I pray that it's not this one, but sometimes I worry that it is, but, but we have to guard against this, where too many churches will teach you and show you and encourage you that following Christ makes your life easier. Now, I want, I want to clarify with you. Listen here. Listen to me. Following Christ makes your life better. Following Christ does not make your life easier. It's easier to go with the flow. Think about it, right? You're, you're in the water, and the current is going this way, and shore is this way. If you want to get to shore, you must actively swim against the current. You could just go with the current, and that is easier. But eventually it leads to death. Right? Eventually it leads you somewhere you don't want to be. But actively swimming against the current and getting to shore. It's not easier, but I promise you it's better. But you've got to get past this idea that as a Christian, it should be easier. No, it's not easier. You've got to dig in and fight. Sometimes you have to fight against your own desires. We keep going. The acts of the flesh, and we're talking about the spirit and the flesh fighting with each other. Um, Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious. And I love that because sometimes I talk to people and they're like, well, who's to say what's sinful and what's not? Your heart tells you. There's nobody, I mean, honestly, there's nobody that's really engaged in sin that doesn't know they're engaged in sin. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. If you are always choosing the flesh... If you are always choosing the flesh and you are always going whatever way you want and you know, you know, listen, the acts of the flesh are obvious. You know. And Paul's words, empowered by the Holy Spirit, just simply say this. Those who live like that, man, they should not expect to inherit the kingdom of God. They should not expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They should expect to hear, man, get away from me because I don't even know you. I never knew you. See, Scripture can be harder than we want it to be at times. And this is one of those times where Scripture is tougher than we wish it was. Does this mean perfection? Of course it doesn't mean perfection. Are there times in your life when you've been sexually immoral? Yes. I, I don't know your life. But since, since Jesus says, hey, even looking at somebody with lust is immoral, then I'm going to say, yeah, there are times when you've been sexually immoral. Are there times that you've murdered? I I'm going to say sure, because Jesus says there are times when you look at someone with anger in your heart, when you hold that kind of anger in your heart, you are guilty of murder. 
Are all of us guilty of idolatry? Oh, man. You better believe it. You might not have a shrine somewhere in your house to some false god, but I promise you, you idolize things that are not the god of the universe. Are we all um, witchcraft? I don't know. Some of you I know still check your horoscope. Some of you I know um, dabble with fortune tellers. Scripture's pretty clear. Ain't nothing good there. Some of you hate. Some of you actively sow seeds of dissension. You don't just get mad yourself, but you actively try to get others in the muck with you. Envy, drunkenness, orgies or fornication. Listen, we all make these mistakes at times. We all struggle with sin. We all fall into sin. The issue is repentance. The issue is repentance. The issue is, is saying, because they're obvious. I'm not confused in my heart when I get stuck in the behaviors of the flesh. I'm not confused. And so what happens is I, con- I, I confess and I repent and I move away from it and I engage in holiness. Listen, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. But he does expect you, with the power of the Spirit that lives in you, to fight the urges of the flesh. And when you stumble and fall, he expects you to confess. And he expects you to move forward. Don't wallow. Don't sit. Right? We keep going. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, fancy word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the acts of the flesh flesh are me focused there's no way you can love your neighbor in fact the acts of the flesh oftentimes what happens is they're about putting my neighbor down keeping my neighbor down oppressing my neighbor using my neighbor for my own joy but the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control those are other focused And because I'm a conduit of God's grace not a container I've got all I need to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and goodness. Whatever I missed. There's seven of them. Right? I can be patient well past my reserves to be patient. Why? Because God's power and the Spirit of God flows through me. I don't have that in me. Oh my goodness, I don't have patience in me. You ever pray for patience? Don't do it. It's a dangerous game when you pray for patience. Don't. Unless you really need to. But here's the thing. If you really need to pray for patience, God's going to teach it to you whether you prayed for it or not. So get on the front end of that. Pray for it. Love. Loving your neighbor with everything you have. You can't do that on your own. Have joy. To have joy when circumstances around you are falling apart. Guys, can I tell you, I am terrible at this one. I am terrible at having joy when things are falling apart. You know why? Because in my own heart, there's not enough joy to go around. Why am I relying on my own heart? The heart of God has joy enough. Listen to me. We are conduits of the gospel, not containers of it. And then it just gets down to this, choose Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is what it comes down to. It's not rocket science. Choose 
the Spirit. If you're thinking, Matt, I got nothing in me, you know what? You just need to choose. Some people accuse me of oversimplifying it because they want a formula, right? They want to know what they have to do. They want to know how they're supposed to feel it, how they're supposed to feel the presence of God in their lives, how they're supposed to know that they're on the right path, how they're supposed to have it all. Listen to me. Listen, this is not complicated. The Spirit pulls you this way. The flesh pulls you this way. Choose the Spirit. Is it what you want to choose all the time? No. Are there times when the pressure mounts and you're not sure you can stand up in the face of temptation? Absolutely. Choose the Spirit. Choose holiness. And as you do that, as you choose holiness, then all of a sudden things like loving your neighbor, they make perfect sense. How do we do it? You know, we love, we love well. Listen. Right? Your willingness and your capacity to love others grows naturally out of your walk with God. How do you walk with God? You choose God. But Matt, what if I don't feel like it? I don't care. Choose him anyway. What if I don't want to show up at church? I don't care. Show up anyway. Right? What if I don't want to sit down and read my Bible today? I don't care. Read it anyway. What if I don't feel like praying? Guess what? Choose the Spirit, not the flesh. Pray anyway. But you're like, Matt, I really, really, really want to do it because I want to. You know what? I want that for you too. I want it for me. I want it for you. In the meantime, just choose. That is the best encouragement I can leave you with. Choose to honor God with the way that you live your life. Choose to pursue holiness. Choose to ruthlessly cut sin out of your life. Choose the Holy Spirit of God over the drawings and trappings of the flesh. It's not easier, but I promise you it's better. Ask the praise team to come up. They're going to close us out, and as they do that, we're going to sing this last song, right, David, that I need thee every hour because this is not something we can do on our own. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we praise you and we just thank you. We thank you for the fact that we don't have to do this on our own. We thank you for the fact that, that you have given us clear instruction in Scripture and we repent of the fact that we have made it so much more complicated than it needs to be. Father, thank you that, that in you and through the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in us and draws us away from the flesh that you have given us a way to say yes to you and no to sin. Father, help us to choose even when we don't feel like it. And then deep down in our, heart, in our hearts, Father, help us, help us to develop slowly but surely a desire for the things that you love and a desire to do things that honor you. Father, even if it starts just as a commitment to do the hard thing, Father, it's our heart's prayer that you will turn it into a desire to choose you over everything else. But until then, I pray that you give us the strength to stand firm in the face of temptation. Help us to choose the things of you over the things of the flesh. Father, we love you. We praise you. We just thank you. Amen.